Hello and welcome to Evidence of Grace, a podcast from Revolution 22 Church in Boise, Idaho. The purpose of this podcast is for members of our church body to share their testimony and how God is continually working in our lives. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you continue to love God and love others. This week's episode of the Evidence of Grace podcast, I'm joined by the banjo playing man with the beard on stage, Nathan Vitol. Nathan's got a great story growing up in Augusta, Georgia. You know him from the Southern accent, but I hope you guys really get to understand his story, the importance of staying close to God, and just how God is, is unfailing. And, you know, we get to witness that through Nathan. Um, this is a really cool episode. I hope you guys enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Evidence of Grace podcast. Uh, and today I'm joined by uh, Mr. Nathan Vital. Nathan, how's it going, man? It's good, dude. It's good. I feel like I'm starting to get caffeinated now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we're doing this one a little bit early in the morning, but uh, that's okay. Um, so, so, Nathan, uh, people know you, I'm assuming, just primarily as the guy who sings my lighthouse every single uh every every family service here at rev yeah. um the 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 bearded man with the banjo i don't know what other nicknames people have for you <laughs> but yeah but that's that's kind of i think how people know you <laughs> yeah man i uh it's funny when we had our last worship meeting everyone was like so for nathan this week we should probably do some more ring collective, right <laughs> so it's funny how i've been associated with that but yeah, man. Um, glad to be on. Glad to be on the podcast today. This is uh, this is my first time ever being on a podcast. Really? So, yeah, actually, it's funny. Like my brother, he and his girlfriend at the time, they're now um, engaged. They were they did a podcast for like their dating relationship. Interesting. And like had um, just like little bits of advice that they'd gained gained along the way and stuff. So. Um, it, it was, it was actually pretty good. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have, a, I have a lot of respect for that because I, I, like, I've done a ton of podcasts now and I'm very, like, we don't share a ton of personal stuff. It's yeah. mo- we mostly like the sports one that I do. We just talk about sports Yeah, and I have a lot of respect for people who share a lot of personal things and stuff like that. I was, I was really surprised. I mean, they were definitely, I think, you know, I, I'm very uh, encouraged by them anyway. Their relationship is really a great example of um, keeping Christ in the center. And um, But, yeah, it was just so crazy. Like, in high school, you don't really think of that, you know, like people doing a podcast to, like, support and help other people in relationships, you know. So they're, they're definitely – they are definitely people who uh, are more mature uh, for their age. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, I – I, I kind of just want to like walk through your life maybe and we can, yeah. and we can kind of see where we end up. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I knew, I know where you grew up, but let's tell, tell everyone else where, where yeah. you grew up, why you have this, this country accent that everyone loves so much. <laughs> well, it kind of comes in waves, man. I, um, I, I've been referred to as a chameleon before. Oh, interesting. And, uh, I think it's funny because when I do go back home to the South, I will, I will feel like I've picked up more of it. Like I kind of go back to the roots where I, you know, I'm used to being around just the people who speak like that. <clears throat> but then when I come out here and I spend a good enough time out in Idaho, nobody really has much of an accent out here. Right. You know, or people who have, 
it depends on where you go. Sometimes there are some, some people that uh, have crazy accents, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia, home of the masters. Um, I think that's the only thing. Well, James Brown also. Ah, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, the masters <laughs> is, is pretty, pretty solid. It is. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Um, that is definitely like something that I did not realize until I was a little bit older and I started, you know, kind of understanding more the renown behind the golf uh, tournament. And <clears throat> it was just kind of co- uh, common, you know, to see people stopping on the side of Washington road, taking photos right in front of the masters. You know, it's like these older guys, this is like their Disneyland. Yeah. You know? and, uh, <laughs> and so it's just so funny. You'll be driving around and, you know, I passed by the masters like every single day growing up, you know, it was just like along one of the main thoroughfares that we got, we have through our city. And, um, so for me, it was just commonplace. You know, right. it's just like, oh yeah, there's there's the Masters. You know, that's so sad. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's really funny because people normally think they're like, oh my goodness, you live in such an amazing, beautiful town. I'm like, well, the Masters is a beautiful place, but the rest of Augusta is just like every other kind of city. You right. know, it's got it's got good parts, it's got rougher parts too. So, but yeah, man, I uh, grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, went to a small private high school down there called Westminster Schools of Augusta. And um, <clears throat> that was something that a, a, the decision was made by my family when I was in middle school of whether or not I was going to end up going public school or uh, private. And there there are lots of private schools down in the south. And, um, and so I'm not really fully sure of just the full reasonings behind all of that, right. but I had a lot of friends that went to Westminster and it was affiliated with the church that I grew up going to. Okay. Uh, First Presbyterian Church of Augusta. And, um, and so <clears throat> when it got to that time, I mean, you, everybody kind of understands when they become, you know, that age, it's like friends are really important, you know, and right. if you don't have that support group, it can be very challenging for, you know, young, young people to just feel, um, acceptable or feel like they're a part of something, you know? Yeah. And really that's what I think everybody's wanting is to feel a part of something. So, uh, kind of begged and pleaded a little bit with my folks. I think they probably see it differently. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, I was really grateful that I ended up having the opportunity to go to that school. It was funny cause when I was in college and my dad was like, yeah, I'm actually paying less now for your tuition than I was when I was in high school. And it's just like, that's crazy. Golly, that's, that's crazy. So I am indebted to them, uh, for many reasons, but that was, that is one of them. Um, yeah, growing up in Georgia was actually, was pretty fun. I mean, <clears throat> everybody understands it's really hot and humid, right. you just kind of get used to it. You know, it's just like you walk outside and you know that you're just going to be sweating, you know, and, and air conditioning is, is key. You know, it's, it's king. Oh, it's, it's, it's a must. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I moved out here, I had no idea that there are houses that were built without central ventilation. Right. And I'm just like, that would just not do. (laughs) That's just just not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a thing. And I mean, people have survived plenty of years prior to AC being invented, but at the end of the day, it is, it is necessary. For Um, sure. So, 
Uh, yeah, we have we have summer for about nine months out of the year down that's, there. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're recording this when there's snow outside <laughs> in, in, in the middle of March. Yeah, yeah. I know March. It's already starting to feel really nice down there. I was looking at the weather. It's uh, it's supposed to be pretty nice this week. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a interesting place because um, Georgia in general, I think, is a really interesting place. Uh, there's just there's in terms of just the overall topography, it changes a lot from the north to the south. And I grew up kind of right in the middle of the state along the Savannah River. Mm. So I was right on the border of South Carolina. And um, that was kind of a cool area to live as well, just because we had that river access and there's lots of water around. But in the summertime, you know, you're, you've got to find somewhere that you can cool off, you right. know. And so even even like going and driving to the lake or going to the river, you would have to swim down a solid, you know, couple, like either foot to two feet, depending on what time of year it was, if it was July or August, because it's just stagnant sitting there and just, you know, it's getting hotter and hotter. Right. So it feels like bath water sometimes. <laughs> jump in. So, but yeah, man, um, <clears throat> grew up in a great family household. Um, my mom and dad have been married together now for, um, goodness, they got married in 89. So. How many years is that? Uh, 34? 34. Is that my math? 10, 20, 30, 40. No, 34. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, so they they grew up, uh, they grew us up in that type of environment where um, commitment to each other was just really important. Yeah. And um, so that was just such a blessing to be able to... Um, to just be surrounded by that. I, I always, I mean, I have very fond memories of just being around the house and dad coming inside and uh, just, you know, showing my mom some way of affection, whether it's just like a pat on the side or giving her a kiss or something like that. You know, just like su- subtle little ways to show that like he still very much loves her. Yeah. And um, and so I always thought that that was such a really great example of what it looks like to um, just love love your wife, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and love our mom that way. So, um, it was cool, man. I, I have two siblings. I've got a younger sister and a younger brother and, uh, they're all, we're all three years apart. So I'm 28. I'm about to be 28 and my sister just turned 25 and my brother just turned 22. So, okay. Um, their birthdays were, uh, like a week and a half ago. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Um, I, I just remember growing up, and mom was always. We would always go to the eight o'clock Sunday service, dude. It okay. Was like, you guys were you guys were dedicated. We were the eight thirty service nice. family every single every single Sunday. It was like, and once once I started becoming a teenager, that got harder and harder. Oh, to get dude. To. 100%, 100%. You know, I was just like, can we please go to the eleven? <laughs> like, or at least like Sunday school starts at like ten o'clock. You know, at least at least can we just start it with Sunday school and then go? Right. And the older we got, the more flexibility we had. Mom, mom let let us go since we once we started being able to drive. She was like, all right, well, I'm going to eight thirty. You know, <laughs> I was like, all right, mom, we'll <laughs> see you, we'll see you at Sunday school. So, um, yeah, first Perez Augusta was uh, it's a very um, I, I think for a lot of uh, people today in our culture, what they would consider to be more of like an orthodoxy or a, um, just a just an older style of uh, worship service that's held. So the morning services were always uh, piano or organ, 
and uh, oh, okay. very very little room for additional instrumentation you know and so it, you'd be you'd be banished well no <laughs> there uh you wouldn't be you wouldn't be banished but um i mean yeah growing up in the presbyterian church you know i i started hearing all the different uh little nicknames and stuff that people give to presbyterians you know the frozen chosen right. or you know all those little funny little things and and it's you know looking on it now I'm really glad that we did have structure like that in a way. Um, and it was, it was always to me, like worship was always very, very formal, you know, it would growing up. It was always a very, very, um, formal environment. We, we dressed up to go to church. The service was conducted in a very formal way of, we are going to be singing to the Lord almighty and we need to present ourselves in a fashion that is presentable and is acceptable in a way. Interesting. And um and I don't like I don't know if that was necessarily what the intention was, but yeah. that was what I took away from it when I um when I started really kind of um being more observant and just right. kind of looking around and being like, okay, what is all this for? You know, what is all this about? You know? Did you have like an opinion on that when you were growing up? Or was it kind of just you just started noticing that and you're like, Oh, okay, I guess this is why we dress up and I, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. It was really, it was really just the way things were down in Augusta. Yeah. Like things to me, like people dressed in this Southern casual style, like khaki pants and a golf polo, mm-hmm. even if they were mowing their lawn, yeah. you know? And so it, for whatever reason, like Augusta particularly, I felt like was just always more, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know how to say it. I mean, it was just, it was just yeah, like formal, I guess. Formal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just yeah. more formal. It wasn't like your, your, um, your black, you know, black right. Black sign. Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. Like that. But it was just, people just were, I guess, more concerned with their outward appearance in a okay. lot of ways. Um, whereas now seeing people out here in Idaho, it's like people show up to church in t-shirts and jeans, you know? And yeah. It's like, is that, and that's what I was going to say, like, is that weird? <laughs> For you, is it? It was initially because, like, people. It was funny when I first started coming to Rev. People were like, "Why are y'all dressed up?" I'm like, "This is this is normal church attire. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not dressed up at all. Like, this is just like I'm. I've got like a button down tucked in, you know. Yeah. Or sometimes I'd wear like a sports coat, you know. And people were like, "Man, you look really good. You're all dressed up." I'm like, "Well, this is kind of just casual, actually, you know. Like, like a tie. Oh, you haven't even seen me dressed yeah, up. <laughs> a tie is like very very formal, you know. And then." And bow ties are also really popular down in the south. Interesting. Okay, yeah. um, my beard's too long now to really wear bow ties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm uh, not there. I'm not quite to your uh, length. You could yet, still, but yeah, you could do it. Yeah, it'd be. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a huge bow tie fan. I especially like. I don't know. I feel like everyone wears the clip on bow ties. No, you, don't, you can't do that. No, exactly. No, no. it's got to be the real deal. I agree. Um, I'll teach you sometime. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, so that was kind of just the way the church was conducted, you know, <clears throat> now our evening services, we always held two services and there was one in the morning, one in the evening, evening service was more, uh, casual people could show up in t-shirts, jeans, you know, okay. it, was, it was a little bit more informal in a lot of ways. Uh, we had an actual band that would play up on, on the, um, stage and we didn't have, you know, the full production system, you know, not the, no lights, no smoke, no nothing. Really. It was all about making much of God, you know, yeah. it's not about, 
It's not about how the band looks or anything like that. It's about how can we direct our focus and attention to worshiping the Lord. And about like how, how many people were at first place. So the sanctuary, I feel like, could have held maybe 500, something like that. Okay. And we had about, what I remember whenever I'd ask my mom and dad, they always told me it was somewhere between two to three thousand members either active or inactive okay so it was a relatively large church yeah um but you know being having grown up there for 18 years of my life it's like i really got you know i i i knew lots of people by the time i graduated yeah just from familiarity and family friends and stuff like that so yeah um it was it was a great environment to really grow up in i think looking on it now there are certain aspects of it that I could see how it could have maybe pushed other folks away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily, I don't think that that's necessarily the, uh, the cause of the, you know, the, the way that worship was held. But yeah. I just think that um, there's just so many things that I look on now, I look back on, and I'm, I'm just really indebted that i'm still a believer you know right um right because i just think there's there's presented in your lifetime so many opportunities to really make a choice mm-hmm. of whether or not you're going to continue to follow god or not you know and i don't know it's just I, I see a lot of my friends who have chosen one direction instead of right. instead of continuing to pursue the lord and um you know that that's kind of tough to to think about at times yeah. you know but yeah was there any, like, before we kind of move off sure. of the high school, or, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. was there any, you know, major faith crisis in high school or, you know, I mean, like you mentioned, was it just, you know, for the most part, at least, I mean, everyone's going to have their ups and downs, but were there any notable things that, that happened growing up? Absolutely. Um Thank, I'm glad you asked that. I feel like, for me, my life was relatively pretty, pretty even keel. Right. I didn't. I didn't really have too many major events that happened in my life that were like what most people would consider to be a hard life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like normal life things. You know? Right. Grandparents they pass away. Right. People they get sick. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are things that are challenging. Mm-hmm. You know. But at the end of the day, there. are components of life that you know everyone has to go through Mm -hmm. you know and so um i lost my grandfather in 2006 and that was right when i was uh i was 11 and um and that was that was really challenging yeah i was at actually a uh I was I was at a youth event and my dad came and picked me up and i knew that my grandfather was on hospice yeah and I had actually, you know, my parents had encouraged me to go and do something else instead of being at the house. <clears throat> so I was like, all right, well, I should go. You know, yeah. I'm going to go do this. And uh, this was right at the big, very beginning stages of youth group. And, yeah, my, my dad came and picked me up. And I was like, oh, it must just be time to go. You know, I'm very, you know, ignorant to all these <laughs> thoughts. You know? And then he's like, hey, hey, bud, you know, um, you're – your grandfather passed away not too long ago. Dang, that's and brutal. Yeah, dude. It's just like I wasn't I wasn't ready. You right. know, like I I thought I had more time. Right. And I mean you're eleven. 
Correct. Like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so, and so he, I was really close with him. He and I would, he and I would go and we'd sit in the train yard and just watch trains go by. He was a, he was a photographer and he really loved documenting locomotives for mm, um, cool. CSX and Norfolk Southern, some rail lines down in the South. And so I just remember growing up, we'd, we'd go to Wendy's and get like chicken nuggets. And then we'd just go and sit in the rail yard and just watch trains pass, dude. That's it awesome. Was, yeah. It was, That's it's so just cool. such a, it's such a good memory, yeah. you know, um, of just what it looks like to have quality time with somebody, yeah. you know, and like not being concerned at all about what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, just, we're going to go do this for a couple hours, you know, we'll be back, you know, and, and we'll see y'all in a little while, you know? Yeah. And so we would just go and hang out and it was just, just cool because he would I would ask him questions about trains you know he and I would talk about other stuff but mainly we just sit there and um yeah that's a that's a great memory in my life mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that was kind of the first big thing that kind of happened to me um and then when my, my freshman year of high school I was 15 and uh, we had a friend named Michael <clears throat> and Michael was a uh he was an awesome dude like he was just a genuine he was just a genuinely amazing kid. Um, he wasn't he wasn't invested in the cliques or he wasn't involved with the drama. Yeah. Like he was just like I'm just a I'm just a kid and I'm loving life. I'm yeah. enjoying life. And he was a he was a strong believer for being only 15 years old. You know, like he was he certainly had a relationship with Jesus and it was it was very clear. Yeah. And um, and so. Um, I just remember I was sitting in high school biology class and, uh, and Michael didn't show up to school that day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're like, y'all know where, y'all know where Mike's at. And, and, uh, we're like, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard from him at all. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, that was maybe like a Monday or a Tuesday, you know, and he's normally one of those kids that's like, you know, perfect attendance, you know, he's always at school. So we certainly were missing him that day. We're like, oh man, that's, that sucks. We're going to, you know, cut up in Mr. Hall's biology class, you know, but, uh, <laughs> as one does. yeah, as one does. <laughs> and, uh, and so the week continued and we, we, we continued to not see him at school and we're like, what in the heck is going on? Like he mm-hmm. must've really be sick with something, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> and so he wasn't at school for like three or four days. And then we get the news that he's in the hospital and for, you know, for high school kids, like when a friend of theirs is sick, normally we assume it's like, oh, they're going to be fine. Right. You they know? Like, oh, they just, they the have, they've got yeah. the flu. The, they're just out for a couple of days. They'll be right. back. So that was what I was expecting the whole time. And then it got really serious when we hear that he's in the hospital. We're like, what in the world is going on? You know? And, um, and so we had youth groups on Wednesdays and, uh, and one of the pastors was just like, y'all be praying for Michael. Uh, he's not, he's not feeling very well. You know, he's in the hospital. And so we were like, okay, yeah, we need to be, we need to be praying for him. And, um, I think it was a Friday night, Friday night. Uh, we heard that he, he was taking a turn for the worse. And we started, re- we started hearing things about what was actually going on with his mm-hmm. body physiologically. And um, the protein that carries oxygen to the blood, hemoglobin, <clears throat> suddenly there was a deficiency in his body to where his body was not being able to supply oxygen to the rest of his body. 
I think that was what the case was. It had something to do with the circulatory system and oxygen supply, which obviously is a really important thing. Yeah, and, uh, it sounds like. I mean, I'm not. This yeah. is not my field of expertise, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, no. This it sounds like it's yeah. a very important. It's important, thing. Yeah. and uh, and I don't know if that was 100 percent what he ended up getting diagnosed with. That's what I recall from the from that very uh, crazy time. Mm-hmm. But we all were at the hospital down in University Hospital down in Augusta, and uh, we were just sitting there in the in the um, in the waiting room area, or just really in the lobby. And it had gotten a little bit dark later at night. <clears throat> it was maybe nine or ten o'clock, and then we just we were all sitting there with a bunch of buddies um, and uh, our youth group leader. And this this gal walks down, and we could just tell it was like mm. she's about to give us some bad news. And, uh, yeah, as soon as she broke the news that he had passed away, it was just like, what the heck is happening? It was just like, how is this possible? You know, like he's a, he's a healthy 15 year old kid, you know, like just the other week we were throwing the football and he was going hunting, you know, he was going bird hunting, you know, like it was just like, and one of my buddies actually like started running. He just started running away. <laughs> like just started like so his dad had to like go and chase him. <laughs> and I was just like so distraught. I like stepped out into the this like courtyard area that they have. And I'll never forget this dude. It was kind of crazy. Um I was sitting there sobbing and this courtyard was filled with like these pebbles, you know. So like if somebody was approaching you, you would hear them. And I don't know if it was just my sensory um, abilities were, I don't know, like shut down because I was just so emotionally like overwhelmed right there. <clears throat> I just remember sobbing, and uh, this this woman uh, comes up behind me and she like puts her hands on my on my back. She's like, "Hey, what's what's going on?" I was like, "Well, I just I just lost my friend. Like, I just lost my one of my best friends. You know, he just passed away. Like, you know." <laughs> trying to say that right, you know, as right. best I could. And I didn't even ever, I never looked up. Like, so I, I don't really know. Like, I never got a picture of her. I never saw her technically. Um, and, uh, and all I remember her saying was, everything's going to be okay. Mm. And like, for whatever reason, like, that hit me in such a soul and, and like, it hit me. It hit me to, down to the core, and I was. I felt like it for a moment, just an absolute sense of overwhelming peace, despite the fact that something extremely traumatic and painful just happened to me. Yeah. And dude, I don't. I don't know. I don't really know. Like I never heard her come up. I never saw her left, and I don't know what. Like I never saw anything. Interesting. I. I partially feel like that was an angel yeah. in a way. I'm just kind of like I think God sent that person just at the right time, mm-hmm. just to console me and remind me that he's God yeah. and everything's okay. And what's crazy about that whole experience, dude, is like so many, so many people were at his funeral and like hundreds of kids came to know the Lord through his passing. That's so cool. And it's just like, it's one of those things where God is just so much bigger than we can ever expect. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I still think about that as despite that really, really traumatic experience that happened God was doing things bigger than we can understand, you know, and he was, he was orchestrating for his name to be made great Mm -hmm. through that whole process. You know, it's like, yes, it was very painful to lose a friend, you know, and what's crazy too is the cave family was so strong in the midst of all that, like his mom and dad 
were like coming to our youth groups afterward and like praying over us. Wow. And it was just like, how does somebody have this strength to, to do this? Yeah. You know? And, um, I realize now like God, God prepares us for those moments in a way, right? Like he, he, he gives those things in a, as, as an opportunity to really show just how, um, just how much we need to depend on him. And, and really, I think, I think in that situation, man, like that was such an amazing testament of just how dependable the K family was on the Lord rather than on shaking fists and questioning everything. Yeah. And I'm sure that those, there were moments For sure. I didn't For see sure. that where that might've happened, but like what an amazing, it was just an amazing testament of just like, like let's worship God still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, we we were having our youth group meeting, and and I remember we were all just sobbing in there, you know. And I remember hearing Mister Cave's voice, and he just started praying for the entire youth group, and just praying for like people's salvation, praying for like the hope of the gospel, and like to this day, dude, it still kind of gets me shaken up a little bit. I'm just like, how does somebody have the ability to do that? Yeah, you know. So, and obviously, you know. It's it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's the Lord working in their life. But um, I don't know. I just think back on that moment, and that was that was a really defining moment to yeah. to bring this back full circle. That was that was a really defining moment. That really um, was a a jarring time where it's like, all right, God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing right now? And yeah. um, and so um, that was the first that was the first real you know traumatic experience where and it ultimately ended up you know helping me grow in my relationship with christ for sure for sure so how no go ahead i was just gonna say i think there are still some people who who probably are a little bit embittered about all that you know um but i don't know man i just see it as another example of of god's god's goodness still you know even though it's really painful um i still see it as an example of god's goodness so yeah that's cool yeah um okay so let's go to Let's go to post high school. Mm-hmm. Um, mentioned you went to college. Um, I guess just connect maybe for for people how you got from college, Augusta to Boise, Idaho. Sure. So, um, high school ended up graduating from Westminster, and then I had applied to only like four schools. I went to I applied to West Virginia University. Huh. Uh, I applied to Georgia Southern. Uh, UGA and Georgia College. So all in state and then one random town, you know, Morgantown, West right. Virginia. <laughs> and uh, I really, it was kind of a pipe dream. I was just like, well, my grandfather went there for law school and I've heard, you know, you know I'd love to be able to have said I've gone to a huge university like that. Yeah. Looking on it now, I'm really glad I didn't end up going there <laughs> just because the town is, is nuts, dude. Yeah. And, and even, even like all those other schools that I applied to as well. I mean, they are notoriously very, very, um, party, party mentality. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, um, I think it was all an act of God's providence that he led me in the direction of Millersville, Georgia, where I went to school at Georgia college. 
Technically, I don't know if they if they changed the university now. It used to be Georgia College and State University. It was like, all right, it's like we, we've got it all. Dude. Yeah. We're, we're a state college. <laughs> yeah. We're a university. Yeah. Uh, all encompassing. Yeah. yeah. We, we covered the bases. We checked all those boxes. Um, but yeah, home of the Bobcats. Um, nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm technically a Bobcat, although obviously I do, I do root for the dogs yeah. on Saturdays. Yeah. Um, so Georgia College was what they considered a suitcase town. Uh, people would normally leave on the weekends and go, t- especially during the fall, they'd go up to Athens because it was only like an hour and 15 minutes away. So at that first that first year of being down in, at Georgia College, I was very much uh, still trying to identify, like, what do I want to do here? You know, I was studying biology, and I ended up, di- I ended up majoring in that. Um, but I also was – considering like well what are some additional things that i can get involved in invested in right and i had been encouraged from youth leaders from pastors to obviously join a campus ministry um and really just get invested involved in the community that's present there and um georgia college was a good little town i feel like I feel like Milledgeville, the undergrad population was somewhere between like five or six thousand so it was pretty it was smaller but to me it was a good transition from a private small high school to a, you know, public small university. And so that was a good transition. I felt like it was relatively easy for me because I was able to see people that I recognized and knew, but also at the same time still felt like I was at a large enough school where I wasn't, everyone didn't know my business yeah. and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of had a little bit of independency there. Um, so that was cool. Uh, I really enjoyed my time down there. Uh, I got involved with a, a ministry called Campus Outreach, and that was where um, I got started getting discipled and just kind of led by a guy named Carson. And he was really in, in, implement, excuse me, influential in um, in just my faith journey as well, like just kind of making my faith my own once I got to college. You know, I yeah. mean, in high school, it's all about really. You know, my parents were kind of having me go to you know, church and having me be a part of, you know, the youth ministry and all that stuff. But as soon as, as soon as you got that freedom, it's like, well, really I can decide what I want to do with all yeah. this, you know, you really get to, you, it really becomes like your choice. Exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a really important point in my life was actually continuing to say, okay, like this stuff is real. I need to continue to follow this, you know? And, um, and it was cool that I just had guys that were alongside me in college who were just great dudes who just happened to be really cool guys, and they also really loved the Lord. Yeah, you know? that helps for sure. It does, right? I was just like, I was like, all right, yeah, like I'm going to continue to follow this. This is this is what I want to be a part of, and um, and so <clears throat> yeah, I was led for a while by him uh, throughout uh, campus outreach. They've got. The mission of Campus Outreach is to build disciples for um, the kingdom, and really, it's about uh, it's it's really a lot of um, uh, sharing your faith mm-hmm. and really just investing in building relationships with college students. Young life, you know, I know primarily focuses on you know like high school kids, and then you've got you know something like um, RUF or um, 
I can't remember. The we name. have I, there's crew at Boise crew. State. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and they're all just relatively the same things, but I think there's obviously a little very yeah. nuanced differences mm-hmm. for um, kind of the big missions. But, uh, but yeah, campus outreach was very much focused on uh, sharing your faith with other college students, um, and I, I always liked that idea because at the end of the day, I think college students are so malleable right like there's so much that is changing in their life to really where they're they are essentially kind of choosing the paths that they will follow for the rest of their life yeah. you know um will i continue to be um what i grew up as in high school or will i really to make this path my own you know and so there's just a lot of kids who come to those crossroads you know once they hit college because uh, their parents aren't breathing down their neck anymore and so um, I, I was, I always had a great time with campus outreach. We ended up going on these like, um, summer leadership projects. Mm-hmm. We would go down to Daytona beach, Florida, and, uh, I would work there for the summer. So I was, uh, I worked for a packaging company my huh. freshman year okay. and I was restocking coolers with like Coors Light and a bunch of other stuff. You know, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is so cool, you know, <laughs> like handling beer and I'm on a Christian youth group, you know, yeah, whatever. Right. And, uh, and so it was really funny cause I would be, you know, it just so hot, you know, it's like 97 degrees, 90% humidity outside. And then I'd have to go step into a cooler for 30 minutes and restock and be freezing cold and then step back out again into the hot. You know, it's just like I was constantly fluctuating back and <laughs> forth. But during that time, we would work during the day and then we would have like sessions or like just meetings in the evening times yeah. where we'd learn more about what it looks like to read your Bible. How do you share your faith um, proactively or just uh, effectively, you know, and then on Saturdays we would actually go out and do like shotgun evangelism where we'd just go walk the beaches. And one of the greatest tactics I remember, uh, being tall was just like, Hey, so I'm learning how to share my faith. Would you mind if I practice? Ah, nice. And, uh, and that was really that was like a little slick little way to be like, all right, you're about to hear the gospel, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you're not even That's ready, cool. you know. Cool. So we we had like little tracks and stuff that kind of helped with just uh, having something to reference, you know, if need be. Um, but yeah, our focal point was really uh, from Romans three twenty three um, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we kind of just talked about the dichotomy between sin and death and then life in Christ Mm -hmm. and also just that chasm that is separated because of sin and how the cross joins all that together. So it was, it was cool, man. I mean, it really did help in a lot of ways of just what it looks like to just walk out your faith and to, to be able to share it effectively, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I'm really grateful for those times that I had down in Daytona. And I still have some great friends from that whole experience that I didn't go to school with, but were just a part of other campus ministries or campus outreach ministries around the Southeast. Yeah. And so we would all collectively go down there. And, uh, so that's where I got to meet just some, some incredible guys and, uh, really develop some, some strong friendships. And yeah. Relationships. That's awesome. So also yeah. for those people who who don't know Nathan, he's very good at memorizing verses. That's <laughs> <laughs> that a strong suit of this guy's for sure. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just had to point that out there. Thank you, man. Um, so yeah, I, that was, that was something that I got involved with. And then, um, my sophomore year I joined, uh, fraternity Alpha Tau Omega. And, um, that was, that was a really neat experience as well. 
because um, I had been praying about it a lot and just what it would look like to be a light in a dark place. Mm. And I think that I was a little ambitious in a lot of ways because I'm thinking, I'm going to change the world. And it's like, no, no. (laughs) Well, first off, like Jesus is the only one who can truly do that. It's not anything that you can do, Nathan. And um, and so I was – I was very gung ho. I was like, I've got all this, I've got all these tools and weaponry now, you know. Now I'm going to go and make much of Christ, you know. And <laughs> it's like to the, the the frat guys and be ex- like, hey, exactly. I need to practice sharing the gospel again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Um, I mean, that was my thought process, right? Like those were the things that I was really um, convicted about. I wanted to be able to like utilize what I've gained and what I was learning to implement dark areas of, of the uh, uh, college campus. And so, uh, yeah, I ended up joining ATO. And what's really cool about ATO, and I don't know if um, many people are aware of this, but a lot of those uh, older fraternities, they originally were faith-based organizations. Okay. You know? And so um, it's really neat how our uh, founding father, his name is Otis Allen Glazebrook, he was trying to reconcile the North and the South after the Civil War. Huh. He was trying to find a way. How can I? How can I mend the relationships that are held, that are so deeply broken between places like Virginia, right, where you're literally on the on the you know right on the border, border between of North, North and South, and South yeah. you know West Virginia. And uh, he was in a he was in a cathedral down in Macon, Georgia, actually, which is where I lived for a little bit before okay. moving out yeah. to Boise. And um, and he was looking up at the stained glass window, and he saw the Alpha and the Omega, and then in the middle was the cross. And he was <laughs> like, and he was like, I think I figured out what I'm going to have my fraternity be, you know, and obviously being Greek letters and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it's it's all about the love of Christ and and how He is only the one that's capable of mending relationships. Mm. And uh, and now obviously we we accept people of any faith in that fraternity, but. Um, our rituals are still very, very much uh, faith-based, oh, that's and cool. uh, it's really neat uh, just to <clears throat> just to have that as a glimpse, right? Like at the end of the day, any time that we initiate new members, we actually preach the gospel, yeah. and like it's a part of the process, um, which is is pretty cool. Uh, if I, I I take a lot of pride in being a part of that fraternity, and um, <clears throat> so. Yeah, I, I did that for several years, and that was actually where I was able to meet um, my. Uh, I was able to start dating a girl at the time, uh, and that was uh, something that was really good. And we we ended up uh, dating for about a year and a half, and then got married down in um, uh, Noonan, Georgia. So I graduated May. I don't know May. 15th or 14th and then the following week he got married yeah so it was like it was a crazy transition yeah like it's just like all right you're an adult now <laughs> you know so i mean i had a i just graduated last may yeah almost a year ago and i had a buddy the same thing mm-hmm. he got married and then we all went to his wedding a, a week later yeah and i remember just being like this man had the craziest week of his entire life he's like i was talking to him he's like yeah my my entire family came in the day before graduation yeah. and they just stayed 
the entire week because yep. they're like, well, we got the wedding yep. yeah, the, the, in, in a week. So, yep. yeah. In a way, you know, in a way, it makes sense. But also at the same time, I don't think I would recommend it to anybody. Like, <laughs> it sounds like I was really stressful. It was so stressful. I was stressed out the whole time. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, yeah, I uh, graduated, got married the following week, and then uh, my – uh, wife at the time, she and I moved down to Macon, Georgia, and we were living there for about a year and some change. And um, and while we were down there, I, I really enjoyed my time down in Macon. I ended up get, getting into a master's program and um, and got my teaching degree mm-hmm. from a uh, just a smaller community college down there. And where is where is Macon? So in relationship to Milledgeville, it's about 30 minutes south. Macon, if you look at the state of Georgia, it's probably, I would say it's pretty much smack dab in the middle. Okay. Like right in the center. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so central Georgia, south central Georgia. And um, Macon's cool. It's got some cool culture to it. Uh, lots of Almond Brother roots-based stuff there. Um, lots of kind of similar to Augusta in that way, like just soulful, uh, southern soul type of vibe yeah. that's found down there. Um, fortunate, unfortunately, lots of poverty as well. Um, but I really enjoyed my time living in Macon and I, I could have lived there longer, I think. But, um, my wife at the time, her family was all from Boise Mm. and they had moved down to Georgia and raised her down there. So she was, she was a Georgia girl. She wasn't like visiting from Idaho or anything like that. She was born and raised in Georgia. But much much of her family was actually moving back out to Idaho uh, during the time that we were living in Macon. And I specifically remember having conversations with her where she was, you know, she she was like, well, I'm planning, I really want us to be able to move out to, uh, to Idaho, to Boise. And I was like, at the time, I was thinking, you know, well, I'm a Georgia boy. Like, I don't, right. where is Idaho? You know, like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not even, I don't even know where that is, you know, <laughs> like, and, and it's really funny because, you know, all the jokes about Idaho out here are so true. You know, oh, people yeah. are like, they'll be talking to my mom at church and they'll be like, so where is Nathan again? He's he's in <laughs> Iowa, right? <laughs> like, no, he's in Idaho. <laughs> um, so it's really, it's really funny. Um but that's just kind of you know it's such a it's a, uh, opposite corners of the of the country you know and so I just didn't know anything about it and we had visited when we were dating um, back in 2016 and uh, and I was like yeah this is a cool place you know certainly but I don't know that I want to move so far away from my family right and um, and this is where you know things kind of really started to deteriorate, and really where I think we could have utilized a lot more counseling and just uh, maybe maybe it spent more time investing in our relationship rather than rushing into things. But um, you know, there was there were certainly conversations where ultimatums were brought up. You know, it's like, well, this is this is going to happen. You know, and um, and so I think back on that time now, and I'm like, well, this, I don't know if those were true marks of a really healthy relationship, you know. And yeah. um, and anyways, I I kind of <laughs> I think I think I learned a lot about marriage uh, after uh, she and I uh, were separated. But um, there was just so much that I was like, oh well, I just need to I need to die to myself, which I think is true. You know, I think that obviously serving your wife is an important aspect of a marriage, but, um, 
but yeah, there were certainly things that I was not okay with about, mm-hmm. you know, moving out and, and we didn't really have the space to have those kinds of conversations because I was, I was more afraid than anything rather than actually being able to speak, um, speak the truth that I was wanting to say, which was, you know, I, I'm having a really hard time with this. And, uh, anyway, I, I kind of was like, well, I need to leave my father and mother and cling to my wife, you know, mm-hmm. but I think I think decisions should be made um, collectively. Yeah, you know. So, anyways, despite all the abrasiveness that came with that decision, we ended up moving out to Idaho in June of 2019, and um, started working at Eagle High School, and that's actually still where I work now. Mm-hmm. And um, just another example of just God's. Uh, providence and really supplying an opportunity it was i mean i i don't think i even applied to eagle high school actually like i really? just i applied to like the west ada school district yeah. or something but i don't even remember putting that application in i was really applying to like private schools in the area okay and uh because that was all i'd ever yeah you were a private you know, school you yeah. grew up yeah and so i was like i don't know what the public schools are like out here you know but I got a phone call from uh, from one of the receptionists while we were in, driving in Wyoming. She was like, "Hey, are you still looking for the biology position?" I was like, "Oh yeah, yes, ma'am." Like I was like, "She's like, well, can you come in today?" I'm like, "Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, in, in I'm in Wyoming right now." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, okay. Well, we'll just schedule it. We'll just schedule it for when you end up getting in town." So I uh, went in, had my interview. Uh, like the second day, I was in Idaho. And uh, they gave me a call back like the following day and was like, hey, we'd like to offer this for you. So that was awesome. You know, it just seemed like it was seamless. It was just perfect, you know, like um, so that was really a a blessing. And then um, my my ex-wife, she she started working at uh, the local hospital. And um, so we were kind of we weren't really seeing each other very often. Um, And so I think with that, there came a lot of. Um, just lack of communication. Um, we weren't spending very much quality time with one another. And um, and then, yeah, uh, I had some very, very uh, – I just remember it was it was a really, really challenging season for us going from, like, the winter into the spring. And, um, and this, I would say, is probably the most defining moment of my life um, was, was in – March of 2020, and for a lot of people it was too because of. I was COVID. just gonna say, yeah. yeah. Um, what was crazy <laughs> is that, um, yeah, in in March she she essentially approached me and was like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not invested in this anymore. I'm I'm done." And uh, I am. Uh, she said, "She said I'm not in love with you anymore." Mm. And. Um, and those were probably the hardest words I've ever heard. Um, I remember sitting in the living room at the house uh, that we were renting at the time and feeling like I was sitting in that couch for hours, just like questioning everything. Just like, how, why? Like, can we do something about this, you know? And um, and so this was that was probably the most... Uh, difficult night that I've ever experienced. Um, I remember, um, I remember she, so she ended up going over to her parents' house that night. And I remember 
sitting there and I called my parents and I was like, Hey guys, um, she, she doesn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. She's out. My mom and dad, they were just like, what are you talking about? What's going on? You know, just like completely shocked. Yeah. Um, I was like, I don't know either. You know, like I have no explanation behind this. This has come out of nowhere to me as well. And, um, and so that was that was a really tough conversation as well. And I remember getting off the phone and just like crying my eyes out, dude. I mean, I was that was the most distraught I've ever felt. And sitting in the shower, just like crying on my knees, like, "What is happening, Lord? Like, what are you doing? What is going on?" And I was angry with him too. You know, I was like, "I've done all this stuff. Like, I have, I have." kept myself from all other relationships I've only been with this woman like this is how things should go right like I did all this stuff for you God mm. what are you doing to my life right mm. now so I was holding him on trial yeah and um, <laughs> and I still think back to those times and um, and I, I just remember like God's voice was, it was the loudest I've ever heard in the quietness of it all. You know, it was just like, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> it was such a comfort in all of my ignorance, right? Like right. I was such a, I was so foolish, you know, I was, I was playing, I was playing Job in a lot of ways, right? Well, like, I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's just kind of how we, we tend to act in, in those situations. It's like, we want we feel like we need to be justified yeah. in some some way. Yeah. Like we feel like, oh no, because I've I've gone to church and I prayed enough to you. Yeah. Like, how come my life isn't the way that I wanted it to be? Absolutely. Um, and I I just think that's cool. I I love that you said his voice said, "I'm with you." Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, it's all gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure it's all gonna be right yeah. or. Like, don't worry, your time is going to come when I'm going to justify you or something yeah. like that. Like, like no, he's he's just like I'm with you. Yeah. I I love you. Yeah. Um, uh, and and that's just that's just how good our God is. He's yeah. he's faithful. Absolutely, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, man. It was um, it was such a such a challenging time, and uh, yeah, there were there were see there were moments and glimpses of his goodness in the midst of all that too. Um. I ended up rooming and staying with her brother for a little while. And uh, he was actually a really huge encouragement to me in just that transition of um, of the separation. And we, we technically were not divorced f- until June mm-hmm. um, when she, uh, she officially sent the papers over. <clears throat> but just that season between March to June where everything was chaotic, right? right? Like people didn't know what in the world was going on. They thought everyone was going to slowly be killed here in the U S because of this coronavirus. And, you know, toilet paper was absent and there was nothing present in the grocery stores. You know, everyone was freaking out. And, uh, all the while I'm sitting here in Idaho alone, you know, and it's like, what is happening? You know, there's so much that I had in question. And, um, and I remember hearing a, I went down to Georgia like the week after all this like took place just to spend time with family and kind yeah. of just collect myself. I needed people to be around. And, um, my parents were listening to a podcast by, 
uh, Tim Keller. And in that podcast, they recommended a book by, that he had written called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And I was like, oh, like maybe, that, maybe yep, I sounds should like me. that yeah. up, you know. And, and really, uh, you know, I, I was looking for self-help at the time. I wasn't looking in his word and, and trying to find uh, rest and, and peace from just spending time with the Lord, I was like, how can I fix these things? Or what mm-hmm. can I do to feel better? You yeah. know? And, um, and once again, God was just so patient with me and so good to me through that whole process. And I, I did pick that book up. I started reading it. It was, it, it was just so, uh, influential for my, for that time. Because like I said, like up to that point, I really hadn't had any type of major traumatic experience that would have caused me to really question or doubt God, you know? And so that book really changed my entire perspective on what it means to experience these things. Right. And, um, and so that was, that was really neat. I I felt like, uh, there were just little ways that God was drawing me back to himself in those times, reading that book, started listening to a group called Maverick City Music, and uh, they have a really powerful song called Refiner on there. I love that song. And uh, the song is like nine minutes long or something, yeah. but like I just would like repeat it. <laughs> and I just had it on shuffle, like or just had it on repeat. repeat yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would, like, I just remember being like, God, I don't know what's happening, but I trust you. And I know that you're doing something mm-hmm. because you are the refiner. You're doing something that is helping me to see you more clearly and making making me who you have created me to be in all of this rather mm-hmm. than my ways, right? Rather than what I want. And um so that that song in particular really, really struck me. And music has always done that, you know, but like it really did hit me um in a different way and uh, helped me to to trust the Lord in the in the struggle. Yeah. And in those things. And like I remember growing up hearing all that stuff. Like the Psalms speak so clearly of of times of trial, tribulation, and struggle. Um, first and Second Peter, right? They speak very clearly about um, pain and suffering happening in our lives. But I always would just be like, ah, you know, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen, you know, but maybe not to me, you know, right. or just like there was a there was a subtle ignorance to it all, right? right. Like, and uh, even if you think it's going to happen, even if you're like, oh, it's going to happen to me, like, oh no, I, I'm I'm prepared enough to get through it. Or, absolutely, I'm, I trust God enough right. that that I'll be fine through it. Right. Yeah, right. So that was really like the first time that I I realized like, wow, I am really dependent on God, mm. and <laughs> it is nothing that I can really do. Like He's he's all I have right now. You yeah. know, like I have no one else, nothing else that can really satisfy me. And, um, and so that was really a huge turning point in my faith where I started really realizing just how sweet and how good God is and that he is everything that I could ever need. Right. Like I thought it was going to be this trophy wife. I thought it was going to be having a really nice truck or I thought it was going to be being exceptional at the banjo right but all those things are going to fail me and all those things have or will fail me at some point yeah. right the only thing that has really been able to ever fully satisfy my soul is intimacy and closeness with god huh. and uh that's so good and i don't know man like i just kind of fully experienced that when i went through that tribulation right and i read this quote it was like we don't really ever really fully experience joy 
until we've experienced tremendous pain or tremendous struggle and tribulation because when we experience those things that's when we can really be grateful for what god is doing and just the fact like if nothing else ever really happens in our life that goes the way we want it to he's given us everything we need through his son christ and salvation right (laughs) like it's another example to show us that this is not what this like our time here is temporary, right? Like none of this stuff is going to last. None of these possessions, none of the fame or the notoriety or anything that we try and grab onto in this life is really going to last. It's all about where do we stand with the Lord, you know? And uh, I don't know, man, I just kind of realized that finally once once I went through that, yeah. you know, struggle. And so I, lo- I look at it now with just such a, like I look back on it with such fondness in a way because I'm like, God, that was painful. But thank you for drawing me through that into where I am now, mm. to where now I can see you more clearly, worship you more fully, and just praise you for who you are, right? And the fact that you're doing something better than I could ever expect or imagine, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, dude, I don't know. I... <laughs> Well, I often people will ask me, you know, how'd you get out to Idaho? You know, and so I'll tell them, you know, I'll tell them straight up. It's like, well, I was married, you know, <laughs> I was married and, and, uh, I was chasing a lady out here. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And you know, normally people are like, like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm awkward right now. Right. <laughs> like, right, right but right. it's like, no, no, like that is a part of my story. Yeah. Like, and that is a part of really God's story mm. and, and how, um, he is for whatever purpose I am here, right? Like I have to trust that there are things that are happening here where he's going to be made much of through me, right? Whether that's just a simple conversation that I have with a band member that I, that I play with or a student that I teach or the people that I fellowship with here at church, right? Like ways to encourage, like, I just think that there are so many different ways that we don't really realize the influence we're having. Um, and, and really, it's it's all the Holy Spirit that's working through yeah. us, right? But I think that's just the encouragement that I've felt more and just the ability to enjoy every day, mm-hmm. you know, and to appreciate where I am in the season that I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's know. awesome. Yeah, dude. That's well, how I got to Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's, just, that's just such cool perspective. Um, and you've been an encouragement to a lot of people here and, and, and myself included, um, for sure. So I've, uh, I don't know. It's very evident in the, in the person that you are, Mm. that, uh, just the relationship that you have with, with Jesus, um, Mm. and how you like to share that with others. So, so thank you, um, for that. Um, all right, let's catch people up then on just kind of like what life is like for Nathan now. Did you, were you during this co like the COVID time the 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 time where you guys separated yeah um, were you here at Rev or were you yeah like what was or how how did you get here yeah so I would go to the coffee shop and I I still to this day love going to coffee shops I don't know what it is it's there's something about like being there that's just like okay we're all here the same purpose we need to be caffeinated some of us are a little bit better spirited than others you know but like i'm one of those people that's better spirited you know i'm always like 
how's it going, guys? Good morning. You know, <laughs> there's other people like, please don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I would go to the coffee shop, and this was when I was in a lot more of a depressed mood. I was really struggling, you know. Um, but I just wanted to be somewhere public. You know, I, I hated being by myself. Right. I couldn't do it. You right. know? I was just like, I I do not want to sit in my house and be alone. Like, I need to be around people. And um, and so I started going to um, District right off of 10th Street there. Yeah. And, uh, and <clears throat> I would start to see people regularly starting to show up there. And um, at the time, I wasn't going to any church. I was... I had been attending a church, but then they stopped meeting in in person because of COVID and just, you know, care for that. So I was churchless for a little while and I hated tuning in online. I just was like, this is not real. I just didn't feel like I was able to connect, you know, like part of church to me that's so powerful is being able to to build the relationships with other people, right? Definitely. It's not just about hearing God's word. Like we have tons of podcasts and other sermons that have been recorded that you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like for me, church, um, implement like a very, very important aspect of it is the community. Mm-hmm. So I was very, uh, uh, I was not, I was not happy with where I was at in terms of the fact that I was not attending a church regularly. So I was showing up to the coffee shop. I was reading, uh, walking, uh, with God through pain and suffering. <clears throat> and Mary uh, Bolshaw, Ben Bolshaw's wife, ended up coming up to me and was like, hey, I see you're reading the Tim Keller book, you know? And, like, we started talking about that a little bit. And then she invited me to the church she was going to at the time, which was, I think, City Church yeah. is the name of it, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so I was like, yeah, I'd love to check that out. Like, I'd love to be able to actually be around people again. And we at the time were meeting outside. This was when the weather was starting to change for the better. And um, and so we were meeting out at the park somewhere in, out in Meridian. I don't remember the name of the park now off the top of my head. But um, I started going there for a while, you know, and that was that was really helpful. Um, got to meet some great people who now still attend this church, yeah. um, which is really cool. Um, and then uh, John Mitchell, you know, he and I guess it was November, it was like, hey, so we're actually going to be dissolving and joining Rev. And I was like, wow, I, I feel like I just got started here, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like, what the heck, all this stuff is changing now. And I, that was just a very, very subtle, like, it was just a moment. I was like, oh my goodness, like, come on, can I please have some stability, you know? And looking on it now, I'm like, what a great example of submission and humility that it takes as a pastor to be able to say, I don't feel like this is something that I can continue doing and I need help. Yeah. And really we're going to, we're going to merge with another church where we see side by side on things. And that's cool. Cause like most of the time you hear about church division, right? Yeah. You hear about churches splitting. You don't hear about churches joining together. Um, so I thought that was really cool actually. And, um, <clears throat> So I I was like, all right, well, I'll give Rev a shot. You know, if it's similar to how this is kind of the style is at City, then uh, I'll give this a go. And um, and that was where I ended up meeting some really cool people right off the bat, um, guys like Jonathan Sicka and uh, and Sean White and just other dudes that were um, a part of, like, worship team. And I got invited to start uh, with that and just get to – they wanted to get to know me more than anything. They knew that I played music, but they didn't know – what I was about. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I started going to Rev in 2021 
January. Right. I think is when that's when that merge yeah. happened. Yeah. And so. Which is um, crazy. That feels, it's, it's been a while, but that feels like it's. Yeah. January 2021 feels like yesterday. I know. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even though it's been yeah well, it's a little been over two, two years, years, it's still it's still certainly um, still certainly new, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, that's where that's how I ended up getting connected with Rev and um, just really started getting invested with the worship team at Rev and um, yeah, I was just really grateful that they saw something inside of me that was, you know, somehow able to lead worship. I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I. I love, I love music. I love being able to worship God. And, um, so I'm very, I'm indebted. I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've been able to have to be able to lead the congregation in worship. And, um, yeah, dude, it's just been, it's just been so cool. I really, I look at all this as just once again, examples of, of God and his providence and just the ways that he is, shaping us and, um, growing me as an individual as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm indebted. I'm really grateful for Rev and just the encouragement that this community has been for me as I step out of that, you know, season of, um, of, of that divorce Mm -hmm. and just all the, all the messiness and all the pain and insecurities and all the things that come with that, you know, and really just being, supplemented with God's word and community and fellowship with other believers and, um, things that are necessary for someone, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when they come to once again, another crossroad where it's like, okay, I can either shake my fists at God, be really, really upset with him about the fact that this didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, or I can trust that he's doing something bigger than I can understand right now and just be along for the ride in a way, you know? And, um, and I, I cannot say that I did that by myself. Right. Like I I cannot say that I sat there and was like, yes, I'm going to continue to choose to follow the Lord. Right. Right. Like there was, there were so many people, so Mm -hmm. much influence in my life that encouraged me to do that. Mm -hmm. I remember my mom specifically, uh, this is a quote I will never forget. She was like, she was like, so Nathan, are you, are you going somewhere? Are you going to see people? Or are you going to talk with people about this whole situation? And I was like, I don't know, mom. I don't really feel like I want to share any of this stuff. And she was like, she was like, Nathan, don't let your pride pull you away from the people who really care about you. Mm, that's good. And I was just like, well, I am being prideful. Yeah. I am thinking that I can do all this by myself. I am thinking that I can just pull up by my bootstraps and figure yeah. this out. And That's, I think once I realized that this is this life, this walk that we have of faith is not intended to be alone. alone. Yeah. We we can't do it. And especially when we experience hardships, yeah. you know. And so I remember just like, okay, I need to call my buddies. And so I started talking to my friends down in Georgia, some of my, uh, some of the groomsmen who are in my wedding, mm-hmm. you know, the guys close to me. Then from there, I just started talking with pastors, other, other people about what do like, can I just share with you what I'm going through right now? And just being able to be prayed over, being able to be, 
um, encouraged and, mm-hmm. and reminded of the gospel, reminded of the truth that God is always with me and he loves me. He knows the pain that I'm experiencing because he's experienced it on the cross and mm-hmm. experienced the separation that there is, you know, like, so it's like, man, what a, what an encouraging reminder that he has, um, he has gone through every single like emotion that we as humans can experience. Right. Um, and that just is encouraging, you know, to know that my savior, he, he empathizes with me. Mm. He's not just sympathizing, you know, he actually, he's been through it, you know? And, uh, so that's, uh, that was really cool. And I just had great guys that really, really spoke truth over me when I just wanted to believe the lies that, yeah. I'm insignificant. I'm not worth. I'm not worth it. I'm. Um, I'm a waste of time. Nobody loves me, right? Like these these lies that right. the adversary wants to just in, like plant in our brain, mm-hmm. right? And just say, just just give up. Just yeah. go go drink your sorrows away. Mm-hmm. Go pursue those those you know. Um, lustful ideas, right? Like go do these things that are going to drive you farther and farther away from the Lord. And, um, and so, you know, I, it was really awesome to have just people in my life that helped me combat those lies rather than listen to them. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think that's, I think our, I, I, at least I think it's more of a, a guy issue, um, that we feel like we can deal with all the problems on our own. Yeah. Um, that's why, I mean, like just our, our little men's group that we've had has been such a, a blessing. And I remember when like we were first approached with the idea, like it is very, it seems very intimidating. Like, Hey, we're going to share, uh, our lives together and hold each other accountable. Right. Um, I'm like, uh, uh, I don't share very, like, I don't do this very often. Like, yeah, man. I don't know. What, what What do you mean? Like, we're going to tell each other everything that's going on in our mm-hmm. lives. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's just, I think one of the ways that the community and, uh, you know, sharing that your lives together with, with other believers is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I really am convicted by that and, and, and convinced by that, that yeah. life is about like, what an act of <clears throat> to to be humble about the fact that we have struggles is countercultural, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and really, that's what the gospel is all about, right? Yeah. It's, it's countercultural, right? And and so to to face those things and say, yes, I need help. I'm I'm doubting right now, mm-hmm. or I'm struggling with this, or this was really hard for me this week. You know, like those are the things that. I don't know. I just, I am so convinced now are a part of the, what it looks like to have true fellowship with other believers and realize that we are really weak and we need the Lord and we need his strength like daily, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. I love that song by, uh, I think it's Matt Mayer, uh, Lord, I need you. Mm-hmm. That song like brings me to tears every single time I, I sing it or just like listen to it. Cause I'm just like, Gosh, like it's so true. Like I, I need you, God. I love how simple that is. Hour, yeah, you know, um, yeah, and it's it's simple, right? But like that's the truth is the totally. fact that we. I think we complicate things too often, and we really just need to simplify it. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so let's, we can just wrap up here. Sure. Um, life for Nathan now looks like you're, you teach still at Eagle High School, like you said, starting microbiology <laughs> this semester. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you're, you're in a couple bands, right? Um, yes, still leading worship. You're coaching soccer. Yeah. Or coach soccer in the fall. Yep. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, I've been I've been trying to stay busy, you know, and sometimes to my detriment. I think uh, I think I my my girlfriend Sarah she tells me all the time she's like, you know, you need to stop saying yes to everything. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and she's very wise in that because I I am just like I'm just like yes, let's do it. Like right. I'm I'm down. Like let's go. And so uh, I'm starting to kind of have to take a step back or at least like be reflective enough to be like, okay, I think I, I think I overloaded my plate here a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I've been, I've regardless, like, I think that to an extent it is important that we stay active in our, in people, mm-hmm. in people's lives and, and really just doing things that are going to be, uh, keep us from idleness, you know? Yeah. And so I, I like being a part of community. I like being right. invested in people's lives. And so, yeah, man, I, uh, still playing with, still playing with a couple groups locally. And that's been just a blast. I really enjoy playing live music and, uh, and the opportunity to play the banjo with both of those groups is just really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a joy and, and something that really, has helped me to understand what it looks like to still worship God, even in a secular place mm-hmm. and, uh, and to really just enjoy the talents and gifts that he's given me rather than try and I don't know, make a name for myself anymore. Uh, <laughs> like none of these groups that I play with, I'm like, yeah, we're going to be at the big stage. One day. You know, <laughs> it's just, for me, it's just fun. You know, yeah, it's just exactly. like an awesome opportunity to really help, you know, enjoy what I do and also bless other people through it as well. And we get great, we get great feedback all the time. Of just They're like, a blast to go to. Yeah. I, that's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do is, is yeah. get to go out and see your shows when I get the chance. So. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Teaching's going really well. Uh, and I've really enjoyed my students this year. Um, there's definitely been challenges along the way of just, you know, combating, apathy and laziness and i think that that's something that culturally is becoming more common but um yeah i just try and challenge them every day to to do the best that they can and to really you know just consider excuse me um consider what it's like to (coughs) excuse me um Consider the the ethic, the work that's invo- involved in in what you want as your outcome. Mm. You know, like did I put in the effort that I feel like I deserve, mm. right? Like, and really kind of trying to level that scale more so than like I'm going to put in minimum effort for maximum yield. Yeah, and it's like that's what our culture really wants. Right? Totally. We want to not work very hard and we want to get a lot, but at the end of the day, that's not really that's not biblical. First of all, and it's also like not. Um, that's just not the correct outlook on things, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, no, if you want, if you, if we want to do something, we need to work heartily. We need mm-hmm. to work as good stewards in yeah. order to attain what we desire. And so, um, so yeah, dude, I try and instill that as best I can with my students, but it's hard, man. They're yeah, all, they're sure. all 
you know, 15 to 18 years old. Yeah. So they're just, they're figuring life out as well. But yeah, microbiology class has been great. I, uh, really enjoy that. Um, kids seem to really enjoy it as well. So it's just teaching kids is fun, man. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I couldn't do what you do. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you could, you, you could. <laughs> it just, it just takes a little bit of patience, you For know, sure. like, sure. and at the end of the day, like it's, it's just like anything. Like you want to build those relationships, you got to get to know them too. Mm. Right. And so a lot of teaching is learning about your students more so than trying to get them to learn. Yeah. It's more about like, who are they? Mm. What, what are ways that are going to be more effective for this person more so than this person over here, right. you know, and how can I reach both of them? And, um, so that's why I love what I do is, is just being challenged with, all right, I have, I have multiple, multiple learners in this classroom and how can I help one build that connection with them initially, but then also help them to learn the best way that's, that's good for them. You yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I love it, man. It's, it's yeah. fun. So it's awesome. yeah. Well, dude, this has been, this has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, you know, I've heard your story before, but it's, it's just such a cool reminder of, um, I, it, it's not, you know, it's funny cause like we're, we're in the same little group as, as Brett and I yeah. did the, did a podcast with Brett last week and, um, you know, his is, his is kind of like trial after trial after trial. I mean, right. you know, Brett's story and just yeah. how he stayed faithful. And I, I right. love how yours is like, I, I, I just love how it's the same God, but we can experience him in different ways mm. and yours is kind of like just understanding the importance of staying close to god mm. and and what that looks like yeah. i think it's like i i don't know that just that makes me that just makes me smile of like what you've learned yeah. from god and, and and the importance in that of your, yeah. in your life so yeah yeah man i uh <laughs> it's really cool that you say it like that i i think Oftentimes we, we consider God to be our own personal relationship with him. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's unchanging. He is, he's the same God of, um, he's the God of the Israelites. He's the God of the new Testament. He's right. the same, right? He's the God of like your relationship and my relationship with God. While they might look different, he's the same. Right. And so, and that is that he cares for his children. He loves his children and he's going to take care of them. And, um, so, yeah, despite whatever we do experience in life, I mean, I've just really come to realize um, his goodness in the midst mm-hmm. of all of it. So, um, so yeah, dude, thank you for thank you for having me on here. It's been cool to be able to share my testimony. I uh, I always used to give myself just a really. I was like, ah, my testimony is nothing, you know, like, I, ah, like right. But I think I've realized just the importance of sharing stories and sharing experiences of of in the midst of all of that. God is is still made amazing, right? right. Still made the, uh, the the focal point in right. all that. And regardless of whether or not you've known the Lord since you were eight, or you you lived wondrously for you know sixty years and then came to the Lord, yeah. like either way, God is glorified right. because because people now know who He is, mm-hmm. and it's like. I don't know, man. I uh, I appreciate you. you yeah. Let me to have this. Time, yeah, so. dude. Well, and I I love that you're just saying like, as 
like it is the same God that we're we're experiencing, right? Even though, but I feel like we we're just constantly finding out more about the Lord yeah. in our own ways yeah. and uh, sharing stories like like yours is is one of, in my opinion, at least the easiest ways to to do it. Like yeah. obviously, you know, digging into the Word praying you know having the personal connection with god is 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 a way to do it but yeah. i think there there is power in in our stories and in and, and our lives absolutely walk with the word lord too so yeah yeah cool cool man. all right well uh, yeah well catch i don't really have like a sign off yet so <laughs> <laughs> we'll just end it here and yeah thanks again nathan cool